Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brian, for leading us in worship this morning. So a few years ago, well, it was a number of years ago now, I was pastoring at another church, and I was responsible for the young adults. So Dave and I took the young adults to, uh, on a camping trip, an overnight camping trip, just a few of us. We set up camp, and then the girls decided we were going to get the paddle boat out and go out into the lake. And, you know, it took us a while to figure out a paddle boat. Have you ever tried to figure out a paddle boat? I mean, you, you, you paddle, you turn, you're going the d different way, and I mean, it's just, it's just craziness, right? It's not the funnest experience, but we're in the paddle boat, and we figured it out how to maneuver this paddle boat, and we got ourselves out into the middle of the lake, and we just stopped, and we're chatting. But then, the biggest fish you ever did see jumped out of the lake right next to our boat. I mean, the fish was like this big. <laughs> you have never seen a group of girls paddle a boat as fast as we did that Saturday afternoon. It was insane. We were scared to death. We were scared to death. <laughs> Moments like these, though, aren't the only times that we're afraid, are they? Fear can strike in us at any moment, especially these days. So this is the second week of our series we've called Behind the Mask. We're looking at a few different feelings that we might be hiding behind our masks. And last week, we talked about loneliness and the lie that the enemy wants us to believe that we are alone. But the truth of Scripture is this, that we aren't alone. We are not alone. God is always with us. He promises never to leave us, to never forsake us. And if you believe that this book is truth, which I do, then we need to take God at his word and believe what Scripture says. We are not alone. And because we are not alone... We can live without fear. And that's what we're tackling today, fear and doubt. So fear, we'll define it here, is defined as this unpleasant emotion. I like that word, unpleasant. If you've ever been afraid, you know it's kind of more than a little bit of an unpleasant feeling. But it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous likely to cause pain or a threat. It is a known or understood threat. And we certainly have no shortage of known or understood threats these days, do we? Global pandemic, shut down the world, disrupted, disrupted our known routines, confusion surrounding the rules and the guidelines, around COVID-19, economic fears. Uh, we've watched racial tensions and political divisions happen, especially in our neighbors to the south. And then in all of this, we let our minds run wild. And the fear turns into the what-ifs, right? And the what-ifs 
begin to seed, uh, sow these seeds of, of doubt. Maybe you're one, one of those people walking around behind your mask. You're hiding fear. Well, Jesus wasn't silent on fear. In fact, he knew that we'd have trouble in this world. He knew that there would be tough times. But he also knew and that he com- and he also comforted his followers with this. He would overcome the world. He would overcome the world. And through the promise of the Holy Spirit, we can have peace Peace that is not defined by the absence of conflict. Listen to that. Peace that is not defined by the absent of co- absence of conflict. That's how the world defines peace. But rather the confident assurance that whatever we face, whatever is around the next corner, through the uncertainty, the doubt, the confusion, even through the chaos, he is present and we do not need to fear the future. But how do we live fearlessly these days? Matthew chapter 14, I think we can find, in Matthew 14, we can find some antidotes for fear. Antidotes to our fear. So I'm going to read it to you, Matthew 14. We're going to start at verse 22. You're going to recognize this story. It's going to be on the screen. Immediately, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd... After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They were afraid. It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come on the water, to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked out on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So this account takes place immediately after a pretty big event. Jesus had just fed probably 10 to 15,000 people with a few loaves and fish, and now the crowd wanted him to stay because they wanted to make him king. And that's when Jesus, he insists, he insists that the disciples get into a boat and head out onto the Sea of Galilee. Now here's the thing about the Sea of Galilee. It was actually a lake. 
And it was sitting at about 680 feet below sea level. It was about 150 to 200 feet deep. And it was surrounded by hills. That meant that sudden windstorms would come from out of nowhere, causing high waves. And all of that to stay, storms were expected on this lake. Storms were expected on this lake, yet that's where Jesus sent the disciples. Sure enough, the night wears on and the disciples, they're in the boat, the winds whip up, the waves get bigger, and before they know it, they're on the lake in a full-blown storm. Don't you feel a little bit like that this year? Don't you feel like God sent us unsuspecting into 2020? (laughs) Just like Jesus sent those disciples so unsuspecting into a soon-to-be storm? Out of nowhere, right? Out of nowhere in March, the storm whipped up. And now some of us were fine. But others of us were scared. We're afraid. There's actually more fear than faith. Yet it's right here on this stormy lake that these guys, Jesus' right-hand men, give us some antidotes for our fear. And these include remembering where we've been, reacting with faith, and responding in worship. The first one, remembering where we've been. We actually talked a little bit about this last week, but I think it bears repeating because you know what? We are forgetful people. And if we look back a couple of chapters before this account in Matthew chapter 14, we'll see that the disciples had witnessed some pretty fantastic things. They've seen people healed. They've seen demons driven out. And on top of that, just the day prior, they watched Jesus turn a little boy's lunch into a meal for thousands. It was yesterday. It wasn't weeks or months before that they saw this. It was yesterday. Do you remember what you did yesterday? Sometimes I do. (laughs) But here it appears that the disciples have developed some kind of temporary amnesia, and they have forgotten the things that they had witnessed Jesus doing firsthand. If they had remembered these things, maybe instead of fear, their first thought would have been, Jesus will help us. Instead, as Jesus approaches them in the middle of this storm, they think that he's a ghost. And with good reason. Because there were some people in the day that that actually thought that the water was a burial ground for evil spirits. So it wasn't a stretch for them to look and see this person coming towards them and for them to first think it's a ghost. But if they had remembered, if they 
first remembered who Jesus was and what they had witnessed him doing as recent as yesterday, perhaps they would have first expected it to be Jesus. You know, we do the same thing. When we are blindsided by fear, our first instinct is to doubt. Our first instinct is to get discouraged, to get upset, to be worried, to be afraid. Sometimes the last thing we do is remember who God is, what he has already brought us through, and how he is present to help us grow and help us now. Remembering what he's already brought us through helps us to recognize him in the middle of what we are going through right now. But like I said, we're forgetful people. If we, for, if we start to forget the things that God has already done for us, the storms he's already weathered with us, if we forget what he's already brought us through in the past, we risk not recognizing him in the present when fear smacks us in the face again. And this is the pattern we see in the Old Testament too. Because like us, the Israelites were forgetful people. But still, God, he was patient with them. And he reminded them time and again, remember. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or, or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. You know, I know you've seen some pretty amazing things happen in this room in the past, right? In your homes, you've seen God do some amazing things. And as you re remember those things, we begin to think, maybe, just maybe, this God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, this God who never changes, even though our faith may waver and the doubts begin to surface again, this God will again see us through. And so when the world beats us down and we start to fear when we're afraid because there seems to be no end to this pandemic and its economic mess, when the doctor gives us news and it stokes the fear again, when we're afraid for our kids and our grandkids, when we're alone and we're scared, we need to remember that the same God who parted the sea, the same Jesus who fed the masses, the same Jesus who came and walked on that water is the same Lord that we cry out to today. And he has not grown old like we have. He has not forgotten his promises, as we sometimes do. And what he says is, do not be afraid. Do not fear. And this we must remember. You know, I wonder if the disciples had first remembered who they had been with in their past, if their reaction might have been a little bit different in the middle of the storm that they were in right now. So how do we do it? How do we remember? Well, we write things down. I don't know about you, but I can't go to the supermarket without a note. And if I forget my note, that's too bad. 
I'll do the best I can, but I will always forget something that was on that note. So we write things down. Maybe we buy a journal and we write it down in there. This is what God did today. This is what God did today. And what happens when our faith starts to shake and when the fear starts to creep in again and the doubt starts to come in again, we go back to that journal and we read it and we say, hey, God did this then. He can do this now. And we read the Bible. We underline those promises. We remember them. We commit them to memory because we see that what God promised then is true even now. And what happens is our faith begins to grow and our fears begin to shrink. Remember what he's brought us through. Then we react with faith, not fear. It's one thing... If it's one thing we should know for sure here in this moment, in this story in Matthew chapter 14, is that the disciples were afraid. They're afraid of the storm. But now they're also afraid of this person, which they think is a ghost. This person coming right towards them on the water in the storm. And their first response is fear. And that's normal. It's our first response too. I think Jesus already knew that. But he also knows that fear distracts us. Fear overwhelms us. And for some of us, it even paralyzes us to the point that we can do nothing at all. For some of us, we have allowed our fears to grow so big that we don't even recognize Jesus coming right from the middle of it all toward us. And so we lay awake at night trying to figure out, how am I going to get through this? How are we going to navigate the landmines of the days ahead so that we don't have to face what we are so afraid of? And we use so much of our energy trying to figure out every possible scenario and the end of every possible scenario so that we are ready for whatever the situation brings. And all along, it's all about what I do, what we do, instead of leaning on him and seeing what he can do. You know, one of the most frequently uh, mentioned commands in the Bible is, do not fear, don't be afraid. Do you think that God knew that it was our human nature to be afraid? And that the world will weigh us down and the enemy will come at us by creating doubts and fears in our minds? I think so. I think that, that God didn't leave that fear unanswered. And God's response in the word is, don't be afraid. Fear not. Be bold and courageous. And so as Jesus approaches the disciples this night, he knows the waves are big. He knows the storm is violent. He knows there's some afraid people right here. And so he responds to that fear. And in verse 27, he says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. He says, it's me. It's me. Remember me? We were together yesterday. You were having trouble then, but we, we saw it through. Clearly not enough. 
And it's me. It's Jesus. I'm here. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And some of you need to hear that today, too. That Jesus is here with you, closer than you know. Like we said last week, you are not alone. Whether you're in this room or you're listening on our website or on the podcast or however you're listening to this message, Jesus is with you. And as the disciples are in the boat, I imagine them shaking and trembling with fear, kind of hunched over, squinting at this figure and what's going on. And in this posture of fear, Peter steps up and he says, Lord? Now, when we look at Peter, we know that he wasn't always the perfect example of a follower of Christ. But he did show us what it's like to be a Christ follower figuring things out. And so in this moment where fear is dominating over faith, Peter steps up and he says, Lord, if it's you, if it's really you, ask me to come. There's a, there's a, a little glimmer of faith here, isn't there? This, this moment where Peter chooses faith over fear. And Jesus, he invites him to come, and so Peter, he steps out of the boat into the waves, into the storm. Because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. And for a moment, I wonder if Peter remembers what he's already seen. And he, as he does, he aligns his faith with the power of Jesus. And for a, a moment, I wonder if he thinks he can do what is impossible, what seems impossible. Because he is able to be in the storm, but not overcome by the storm. That's where Peter's at right there. He's able to be in the storm, but not overcome by the storm. And when our faith is aligned with the power of Jesus, our fears can melt away. And when our faith is aligned with the power of the living God, we don't have to be afraid because we can trust that the one who walks on the water is with us in our storm. But as we read on, we see that Peter shows us when we give our fear more power than our faith, we sink. When we give our fear more power than our faith, we begin to sink. And that's what happened that night. Peter, he stepped out of the boat, and as long as his sights were on Jesus, he was fine. But when he shifted his gaze, he began to sink. When Peter puts his eyes on the storm of the, instead of the Savior, the fear creeps back in, and he started to go down. When his faith began to waver, it was back and forth in his mind, he fell. Your faith is small, Jesus said to them, him. Why did you doubt? 
Why did you doubt, Peter? How about you? Are you doubting? Are you doubting the one who walks on the water? Let your faith in God be bigger than your fear. In the midst of the storm that's going on around us, lock your gaze on Jesus and let your faith be bigger than your fear. Finally, respond with worship. After Jesus calmed the storm and he and Peter were back in the boat, the disciples responded in worship and with what would appear to be the realization that, yes, indeed, this is the Son of God. If we follow the disciples back a little bit to Matthew chapter 8, we'll see another stormy boating experience. But this time, Jesus is in the boat with them, asleep. And after Jesus wakes up and calms the storm, the disciples ask this question. What kind of man is this who tells the waves to stop? What kind of man is this who tells the waves to stop? And then we fast forward back to Matthew 14, and after this stormy boating experience, the disciples answer the question posed back here in Matthew chapter 8. What kind of man is this? You are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. That's who you are. And they worship him. When we remember who he is, when we allow the time in our lives to sit in the presence of the Lord and we remember what he's already brought us through, our response is to worship him. We worship him as our provider. We worship him as our healer. We worship him as our comforter, as our friend. We worship him as our Lord. We worship him as our Savior and our Redeemer. And we worship him as our coming King. Because there's something about worshiping God that makes the enemy get a little bit antsy. You know what I'm saying? There's something about worshiping God that fixes our attention on him. There's just something about worshiping God that allows faith to rise up in us and our fears to crumble. The bad news might not have changed. The storm might still be raging. But we can fight back with worship. Remember where you've been. React with faith, not fear. And give your fear a backseat by responding or fighting back with worship. I'm going to ask Brian to come back. You know, I had a bad dream the other night, and Jasmine heard me, and she came to my bedside. She wrapped her arms around me, and she said ever so gently, Mommy, it's okay. It's okay. 
And she just, she just held me for a little bit. It's such a beautiful illustration, isn't it, of how Jesus comes to us when we are afraid. So gently, in the middle of, of the craziness, of all of this craziness, Jesus comes to us in such a gentle way, with such a quiet assurance. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Instead, look at him. Look at Jesus. Put all the other things aside. You know, I had this moment this week and I was getting ready for today and this song we're going to sing in just a minute, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, came into my mind. We're trying to figure it all out. We're trying to figure out what's next. How should I do this? Do I have to wear a mask? Do I, do I have to stay two meters apart? And We're doing really great in Peterborough. Well done in Peterborough area, Peterborough County. Good job. What does this all mean for me? For just a moment before we go today, would you set that side of stuff aside? I'm not saying it's not important, because it is. But for a moment, let's set it aside and let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Folks, Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. And when we turn our eyes upon him, all of the things around us, something happens. It begins to fade to black for a moment while we sit in the presence of the Lord. And he comes to us in our storm and he says, I'm with you. You are not alone. Do not be afraid. So for a couple of minutes, let's turn our eyes on Jesus as we sing this together. And let's worship him for who he is. And maybe if you're here today and you're struggling with fear, take this moment to say, God, help me. He comes to you through that storm, and he promises to help. Brian, lead us. Oh, soul, are you weary? and troubled no light in the darkness you see there's light for a look at the savior and life more abundant and free turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace his word shall not fail you he promised believe and all will be well 
Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So Father, I want to pray today that those that are hiding some, some of these feelings behind the masks that we literally are wearing these days, I want to pray that faith will begin to rise up in us that our faith will be bigger than our fears and that the promises of God will be louder than any other message that is flashing in front of our face and in our minds. Help us to take our thoughts captive and turn them back to you in praise and in worship and in adoration. And in the middle of our storms, remind us, Jesus, that you come to us with arms open wide, longing to comfort us and to give us peace and hope. Thank you. As we go from this place today, let us be lights in the worlds in which we live, pointing people to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If I can, read Psalm, 120, uh, Psalm 112 before we go here. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Live fearlessly this week, friends. To God be the glory. Have a great Thanksgiving Sunday and Monday.